in a series, we're going to finish up a series this morning called what? Yes. Yes. Uh, there's two words that we really need to know. We need to get down in our spirit. One of those words is no. Uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, uh, the Bible says that God will raise a standard against him. But our part of that is to say, no, you will not go any further. Amen. And then the second word we need to know and get in our spirit is yes. You see, yes is simply a response to the Lord. The yes word is simply uh, really the basis for faith. Uh, when God speaks to us, our response is to be what? Yes. Come on, our response is what? Yes, yes, we've been talking about this for the past few weeks. And so uh, God is always speaking. I, um, it, it interests me when I have uh, talked to people and I have a few friends who, one I was talking to one time and he said, you know, Mike, it just seems like God never, ever speaks to me. You know, I just, I don't hear from the Lord. You know, I talked to you and you say I was praying and it, I just felt like God was telling me to do this or do that. And I talked to other people and God just doesn't speak to me. Maybe he doesn't speak to me. And I told him, I said, you know what? God is always speaking. Sometimes we're just not listening. Uh, amen. Sometimes our spiritual antenna is just not up, but God is always speaking. And our response to his speaking should always be yes. Uh, that's how we move out in faith. You see, Abraham uh, said yes to God. Mary, when God said, you're going to have the Son of God, she said, uh, yes, be it as you say, Lord. Uh, people responded to God with the yes word. We talked about yes to favor. God rains favor down upon our life. He is always blessing us. He is always looking to bless us. The Bible says, I believe in Chronicles, that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching for someone that he might show himself mighty through. He's looking for somebody to say what? Yes. Yes, Lord. It is me. Look for no further. I'll be the one. And then we talked about yes to break through, not break down, not break up, not break apart, but break through as we move forward. That word breakthrough, uh, as we say yes to that, doesn't mean that something breaks in our life and then we sit back and say, wow, it's great, Lord, you broke that thing. No, that's not breakthrough, that's just break apart. Breakthrough is when you keep moving forward in the Lord. See, the cloud is moving, and it's up to us to hear what God is saying. Where should we go? What do you want me to do, Lord? And we step forth, and we continue to move. You know, there's a saying in the world that says promises are like pie crusts, lightly made and easily broken. Come on, who can, who can attest to that? I mean, we've all had some promises that were given to us in life by friends, family members. I would dare to say that there are some promises you've made to yourself that were lightly made and easily broken. I mean, maybe I'm the only one who's looked in the mirror and made a promise. I'm going to lose a few pounds. I'm going to, you know, stop eating this way. I'm going to have a better attitude at work toward that person. I'm going to do more for you, Lord. I'll read my Bible a little bit more. I'm going to pray, have a little bit better prayer life. Come on. Lightly made and easily broken. Well, we have a promiser, saints, whose promises are on solid ground. 
We have a promiser who when the promise comes out of his mouth, it's already done. Because we have a promiser who lives in eternity, not in time. It's up to us to wait for the manifestation of the promise. But once God speaks it, it's already so. Amen? God's promises are different than our promises. Come on. Uh, When God speaks it, uh, that's it. When we speak it, you ever had somebody in your life that, come on, they give you a promise and you go, okay. I, you know, there's people in my life that sometimes they, they tell me I'm going to do something and I promise I'm going to do it. And I find myself going, okay, well, just do the best you can. I'm trying to give them an out because I know in their humanity, come on, I know that there's some promises that we make that, Not only do we not live up to, some we're not able to live up to. Sometimes there's promises that we make that circumstances get in the way. Life gets in the way. Things don't go the way we thought they would go. And so we have to adjust and we have to say, well, I, I, in my heart, I meant to do that thing. I meant to come through, but I'm not able to now. But what we need to understand about God is he promises and he's able to fulfill every promise. You see, I, I, I say this. I choose today to believe and to stand on upon all of the promises of God in my life. God has spoken his divine promises with simplicity and with clarity so that I may be strong in faith and endurance. God's promises are not those where you have to search through and be able to tell, is this really a promise or is this just something that he's saying may happen? Is this a parable or is this, what, what is God's heart here? You see, God makes promises and they're clear and they're distinct. Uh, God makes promises where we don't have to guess, is he really on my side? God is not like man. There are some in your life where they promise you something and you kind of have to guess, are they really on your side or not? But I choose today to believe and to stand upon the promises of God because his promises are true. You have your Bible this morning or a way to get to scripture. I'm going to ask you to go to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 1, verse 20. And it says in the New King James Version, for all the promises of God in him are what? Yes and amen. Yes and amen. To the glory of God through us. All of the promises in him are yes and in him amen. To the glory of God. In other words, what he's saying is whatever God has promised Get stamped, come on, with the yes of Jesus in him. This is what we preach, the Apostle Paul said. And it's what we pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together. Gloriously evident. All of his promises are, what's that word? Yes. In him and in him they are amen. Flip over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Another scripture talking about the promises of God. Peter put it this way. 2 Peter verse 1, 
4, I'm going to give it to you in a different translation. He says, we were also given absolutely, listen to the way he puts it in this translation. He said, we are given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your Bible says precious promises. Another version says absolutely terrific promises. Your ticket to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a corrupt world, corrupted by lust. Great and precious promises that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption that is in the world through lust. God has given us exceeding precious promises. These are promises that we can hang on to. You ever, you remember the old hymn, Standing on the Promises of God? Anybody remember that? The man that wrote that old hymn, Russell Carter, he wrote that in the mid to late 1800s. And uh, he wasn't particularly a, a theologian or a, a man who uh, wrote a lot of songs to the Lord, but he went through an event in his life. In fact, he wasn't even a man of great faith. But when he turned 30, he got uh, ill, deathly ill, until the physicians could do nothing more for him. And they said, well, you are in the hands of God now. There's nothing else that we can do for you. You're either going to make it or you're not. And at that moment, he began to write this hymn, Standing on the promises of God. But the interesting thing about the hymn that he wrote, he didn't know whether he was going to live or die. But he told God, he said, whether I live or whether I die, this is the moment that I dedicate my whole entire being to you. No matter how long I have left, if I live for another week, every breath and every moment is dedicated to you, Lord. If I live another 70 years, every moment and every breath is dedicated to you. He went on to live to 79 before he passed away. But the hymn he wrote said, standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Chorus says, standing, 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 standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. You see, he stood on the promise of healing. He stood on the promise that God would be with him. He stood on the promise of God's presence to be with him every moment in return. What could he give God for that? All he could give him was his obedience. God, I dedicate myself to you. I'm standing on the promises. Now, when you get a promise from a friend, you say, well, that's great. I feel so good that you promised me that, and I'm happy that you gave me that promise, and I feel a little bit better now that you promised that to me. How many know that when someone tells you, Well, I'll try to do it. I'll do the best I can to do it. You feel okay. Well, uh, they're going to try to do it. 
And, uh, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. And there's something that you resolve within yourself. You resolve that, well, if it happens, that's great. If it doesn't happen, well, you know, I didn't expect that much anyway. But how many know that when they say, and if it's a good friend, someone you can trust, they say, I promise I'm going to do that thing for you. A weight is lifted. You just feel a little better. And you don't even doubt if it's a good friend. You just, okay, good, thank you. That person promised they were going to do it. Brother Jim promised. Jared promised he was going to do it. So now what leaves you? Worry, anxiety, fear. It just begins to fall off of you like it melts away. Worry, anxiety, fear, all of it just goes away. Now you have a clarity of mind and you're able to move and walk in a peace because of the promise. But even in that, with our friends and with our family, sometimes even in all of that peace, the promises are broken because we're human beings. But what we need to understand this morning, we need to understand something about the promiser. You see, you ever heard the term, take it with a grain of salt? There are some people that say some things to you, and you do what? Take it with a grain of salt. That just simply means, well, they may do it, but I'm going to be a little guarded. But when it's someone that you know, you know their character, and you trust them implicitly, you don't worry about the grain of salt, (laughs) Because you know something about the promiser. Well, let me tell you something about this promiser who we're saying yes to this morning. The promiser is one who pledges to another to do or not to do something specified with, here it is, a declaration which gives the person to whom it is made a right to expect, come on, or to claim the forbearance or the, for, or the performance of a specified promise. When someone promises you something, you have the right to expect that it will come to pass. And when Christ lives, the promises cannot fail. As long as Christ lives, his promises cannot fail. In fact, he promised us back in Jeremiah, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. It is going to manifest. In his mind, it's already happened because in eternity, it's there. Remember, I told you that God is getting you ready for what he already has ready for you. God is preparing, molding, and shaping you for that which is already there. The promise is already there. But it's just a matter of getting us ready. See, the promiser we're talking about this morning is God. And God's promises are what? Concrete. They're unmistakable. His deeds match his declarations. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about some of your friends. I don't know about some of my friends. But God's deeds match his declarations. You ever seen someone who talks and says one thing, but what they do doesn't quite line up. It doesn't quite match what's coming out of their mouth. 
You say one thing, but when I see what you do, it's kind of something else. I don't know if that's a different person or what's going on. If you've got multiple split personalities, I'm not really sure what's going on here. But you said one thing and you did something different. But God's deeds match up with his declarations. His divine promises cannot fail. Why? Because he is the God of the universe. This is the God that breathed and stars came out from in him. This is the God that took dust of the ground with his own hands and he began to form it, mold it, shape it just right. And when he had it perfect, he he breathed on it. And man became a living soul. God is able to do what he promises. And nothing can stand in the way of the fulfillment of any promise that he made. God is omniscient. God is omnipotent. Come on, God is everywhere. And he's right here. (laughs) He knows all that's ever been and that ever will be. God, number one, is trustworthy. Come on. Numbers 23, 19 said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then act not? That's not the God that we know. Does he promise and not fulfill? No, God promises and he fulfills his promise. You can trust God. God is trustworthy. Psalm 18:20, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he recompensed me. God does not impute sin, he imputes righteousness. The psalmist also said, so shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word. God, folks, this morning is trustworthy. I know that some of you have been hurt. Some of you have been offended. Some people have let you down. Sometimes you've been disappointed. Come on. But I want you to know this morning that God, the God of heaven, the God of earth, and the God that lives in you is trustworthy. You can trust him this morning. Why? Because number two, God never lies. It's hard to trust someone who's lied even once. Because you don't know if they'll ever do that again. Come on. It's hard to regain trust when someone lies. Come on. And we just settle because we're human. We know I'm human just like that person is human. So we settle for not being able to trust people implicitly. But God never lies. Hebrews 6.18, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled take hold of the hope offered to us that we might be greatly encouraged. God never lies. James 1.17 says every good and perfect gift comes from where? Comes from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, no shadow of turning. Not only does he not turn, there's not even a shadow. doesn't even look like he might turn. Come on. When I look at God, it doesn't even look like he's going to turn. He's straight. Come on. He shoots straight. 
God never lies. And the next thing is God is faithful. He will be there. He will do it. God will show up. In fact, I dare to tell you, he's already there. When you say, God, I'm going to such and such a place. Will you go with me? He says, I'm already there waiting on you. Come on, I'm with you. He's faithful. Hebrews says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Why? For he who promised is what? Faithful. Your mercies are new, Lamentation says. Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Not only are you faithful, but great is your faithfulness. He's there every single time. Do you know how hard it is to be there every single time? Come on, who's worked for a while? How hard is it to get there every single day? Come on, you do that all month. And then you do that this whole year. You've made it every day this year. Now five years later, you're still going to work. Some of us 10, 15, 20 years later, faithful every single time. Hard to go to church every Sunday, isn't it? Hard to go every Sunday, every single time. Myriad and multitude of things happen. I mean, come on. I was up late. Hard to get there every single Sunday. The pastor doesn't even get there every single Sunday. Come on. It's hard to be faithful. It's hard. (laughs) But God is faithful. It's hard for us to be faithful for 70, 80, 90, 100 years on this earth. God has been faithful for thousands of years. Come on. He's faithful now and he will always be faithful. But you know what I really love about God? Is that when I look at people and I say, you know, people promise different things. A lot of times people promise things that are above what they're able to do. Come on, people do it. Oh, I've done it. I do it because I want to please people. And I, and I, I, I want to I be able to do what they're asking me to do. Can you do this thing? I'm at work. Can you get everything done by Friday? Yep, yes, boss, I can do that. Then as soon as he walks out, oh, man, how am I going to do this? I better start now. Maybe if I work a little overtime and maybe if I get my friend to help me, you know, I can do this thing. But it's going to be kind of tough. We promise things that we're not able to fulfill. Not because we're trying to be facetious, but we just want to please people sometimes. But what I love about God is he is able to fulfill every promise that he makes. Come on. He's able to do it. First King says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people, Israel, just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. Not One word, not one thing God has said in thousands of years has failed. Not one word has fallen to the ground. I love how Isaiah put it. He said, as as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, some of you know this, and do not return without watering the earth, come on, and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word, God says, that goes out 
from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And all of that big long sentence, God is saying, what I say is going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Come on. You know, I love to, I, I love to say this uh, as a father, and some of you fathers know what I'm talking about, especially if you have a son. You know, you tell your son to do something, and in your mind, it's going to happen. Now, in your son's mind, it, it may not happen. He doesn't want it to happen. But in your mind, it's going to happen. It's just a matter of how do you want it to happen. Come on. You want some pain to go along with it? You want to do it the easy way? But it's going to happen. Well, how many know that God is a father? And when God speaks something, guess what? Uh, It's going to happen. Now, we can line up with that thing. We can say yes to the promise of God. Or we can fight against it like Paul did. And God very gently, I believe it it was gently. He said, it's hard for you, Paul, to kick against the bricks. Come on. It's hard for you to do. Why you do that? And so he reached down and just knocked him down. So I believe it was easy because if God, God would have done it tough, come on. He might not have recovered. I believe he just said, lay down and be blind. Now, it's going, do I have your attention? It's going to happen. Come on. Some of us remember Jonah. I'm not going there. Yeah, you're going there. I'm not going there. You're going there. I'm not doing it. Yeah, you're doing it. I will not. How did I get here inside this fish? (laughs) It's going to happen. But the good thing about it is your enemy has to know, guess what? It's going to happen. When God promises you something, I don't care what your enemy brings against you. I don't care who he brings to talk about you. I don't care what type of discouragement he tries to throw at you. You can stand on the promises like Mr. Carter wrote, come on, so many years ago, and say, I'm standing on the promises of God. Guess guess what, devil? It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Because God is able to fulfill what he promised. And then God is all-powerful. That's how he's able to do it. There is no power that's kept from him. And Abraham was 99 and Sarah was up in age. Come on. God had the power to be able for her to conceive and for them to have a child. Come on. Mark 10, 27, Jesus said this, With men it is what? Impossible, but not with God. For with God, how many things are possible? Psalm 77, 14, You are the God, and this is where we get the song, You are the God who does wonders. God of wonders. You have declared your strength among the people. God is all-powerful. And I don't know if you get the implications of that word, all, 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 all. There's nothing left out. There is no power that God does not have. Therefore, he is able to fulfill the promises that he makes to you. Now, we know about the promiser. Now we understand the difference in uh, our friend and someone who's in our family or a boss or someone we just met or even someone we've known for a long time. When they promise us something, they do the best they can. But now we understand there's a difference in this promiser 
Because he's able to do it. He's all powerful. He's never lied. He's faithful to us. He's, you can trust him. Come on. Now let's just take a look at the promises that he's given us. And these are only a few. I just want to throw a few out. What is a promise? It's a pledge. It's a, a word of honor. I give you, when you say, I give you my word, you're making a promise. It's a word of honor. It's a vow. It's an oath. It's a warranty. It's a guarantee. It is a covenant. Some of us need to be careful when we say, I give you my word. It is the ground for hope, expectation, assurance, and in our estimation, eventual success. In God's mind, already success. For us, eventual success. We have to know that. And a promise has power in it. When declared in writing, the promise becomes a promissory word that is binding. God's promises are written in written form in his word and they're binding. That word that you hold in your hand is a more sure word of prophecy. God made a binding word with us and a binding covenant. See, when God speaks, you can trust me that it's like writing a check on the bank of heaven and the bank of heaven never runs out come on it's there faith checkbook but we stand on certain promises I'm just going to give you 10 of them there's you can read the scripture for yourself there's tons of them in there one is the promise of ultimate victory I love it God promised to give us ultimate victory Romans 16, 20, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Shortly, it says. Come on. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Revelation 2, 2. I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you have found them liars. Therefore, my blessing is upon you. You have ultimate Victory, But guess what? Right from the beginning, right in Genesis, he said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, he's telling the enemy, and between your seed and her seed. But guess what? Yeah, he shall bruise your heel, but you shall bruise and crush his head. You have ultimate victory. I don't know what some of us are waiting on. I don't know why some of us are kind of uh, leery about what's going to happen in the end. But I want to let you know this morning that God has given you a promise, in case you didn't know it, that you have ultimate victory. Guess what? I read the back of the book, and you win. You win. Yeah, do we still have to play the game? Do we have to go through the battles of life? We have to go through it. But I've already seen it. It's like watching the Colts game that was played last week. Come on. I can still watch it all, but I already know who won. I know what the end will be. And I want to tell you this morning, I know you're not excited about it like I am, but you win. In the end, you win. And that's as good as saying I've already won. So enemy, bring it. <laughs> because I've already won. I have a promise of ultimate victory. 
But I know that that's down the line. That's the ultimate victory. Guess what? Getting there, walking that thing out, God has given me a promise of amazing blessings along the way. He promised that to you. Come on, Psalm 67, 6. Then the earth shall yield her increase unto you. God, our own God, shall bless us. And who can forget Deuteronomy 28? Come on. All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. You can't even run from the blessings, saints. Come on. They'll overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. There it is. There's the key. You, all we can do is obey God's voice. And if you do that, he'll throw blessings at you and they'll overtake you. Come on. And then down in verse 8 of that same chapter, it says the Lord will command the blessing upon you. Remember, we talked earlier when God says it, come on. It happens. He commands the blessing on you in your storehouses in all which you set your hand. Come on. And he will bless you in the land, the Lord your God, in the land that he is giving to you. I dare you to set to obey God and to set your hand to something and see if God won't bless it. See if he won't bless it. Try him, he said. Try me. Prove me. Come on. Set your hand to something, but don't look back because a man with his hand to the plow, what? Looking backward is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. That means you don't believe. You're looking back behind you to see what's coming up. But God is saying, look ahead because your blessing is before you. I promise amazing blessings unto you, God says. And I also promise you my divine presence. My presence will be with you. I remember... When I was little and I, I played football and uh, I loved football. I loved playing football and I was a little guy, but I was fast, you know. And so they put me at tailback and I'd get the ball and uh, half of it was I was just fast and talented. And the other half was I was so scared of the bigger guys that they couldn't catch me, you know. And so I was fast and I would, I would run and I would score. And, uh, but, you know, when I would uh, play uh, my little league football games uh, and uh, I would look up in the crowd. And uh, people would cheer, you know, people who were on our side, and there were different parents and, and the boosters and those types of things, and they would cheer, and it would be like, great, it's a great feeling. But when I would look up and my mom was in the stands, or my dad was up there, go ahead, Michael, good job. And I might be going, well, mom, I just fumbled. Well, it's okay, good job. Knowing that her presence was with, with me, made everything so much better. You ever wanted to go someplace? Maybe you had to get some tough news. Maybe you were going to the doctor. Uh, maybe you had to go talk to somebody and have a courageous conversation with them. You ever heard that? Courageous conversation? Not the conversation that you want to have, right? And uh, Because maybe there's something uh, going on and you just need to talk to somebody about something to get some things straight. All right? You have to have a courageous conversation. And you ever grab somebody else and say, uh, will you go with me? Will you go with me to the doctor? I got to go to the doctor tomorrow. Guess what? My wife is going with me. I'm not really expecting any bad news, but it just feels better when she goes with me to the doctor. Come on. And, uh, you know, when somebody goes with you, it just makes you feel better having their presence with you. Well, God says, I promise you the presence, my divine presence, and that presence will always be with you. 
Remember back in Exodus, Moses was talking to the Lord. And God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't take us from here. In other words, I'm not going. I don't care where it is. It's a land of plenty. Well, if you're not there, I'm not going there. In fact, David loved the presence of the Lord so much until he said, if I make my bed in hell, there your presence is with me. Doesn't matter where I'm at. A lot of people are scared of hell. Don't be scared of hell. Be scared of the, the, the absence of the presence of God. Come on. Because if God's presence isn't there, then you're in trouble, no matter where you are. If you're in heaven and God's presence isn't there, come on. Come on now. And then he offered us the promise of healing. And that's what Mr. Carter was standing on when he wrote this hymn. It says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, Exodus 15, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of those diseases that I put on the Egyptians. I won't put them on you. Because I'm the Lord God that heals you. My desire is to heal you, not to make you sick. I do that to my enemies. Come on, there's a sermon right there for another day. God also promises peace in the storm. How many have been through a storm in your life? Come on. Maybe you get some bad news from the doctor. Uh, maybe it's a financial storm. Maybe there's some things you've done to yourself. Maybe you need to be delivered from some things. There's some storms in your life. And God said, I promise you peace in the midst of the storm. Come on, Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Let his peace rule in you. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall guard your heart and your mind. Paul wrote that to the Philippians. Passes all of your comprehension. I promise you peace in the storm. Number six, he promises you divine protection. How many know it's good to have some protection? Come on. When you're fighting the enemy, you need some protection. But it's all the better to have divine protection. You're winning battles. You know you can't win. Come on. The enemy's falling down in front of you. You don't even know how it's happening. Doors are opening. You didn't even know we're there. A door opens. I didn't even know that door was there. And the door opens. Come on, God gives you divine protection. And then, God, in all of that, he gives you the promise of abundant provision. Over and above, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. One of my favorite scriptures, and my grandmother made me memorize this when I was very young, Philippians 4.19, My God, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory. You see, God is able to fulfill. He's going to fulfill your need according to his riches. <laughs> Come on. Now, if you were going to fulfill my need according to your riches, I know that you're a little limited. Come on. You've only got so much. Or if I were to promise to you, listen, I will fulfill your need as much as I'm able to do. That's understandable. Because what we want is the heart from each other. But I know you're limited. You can only do so much. But my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. 
How many know he's got an unlimited supply? There is no limit to his riches. He's able to do it. And then God, he promises us his own wisdom. God's wisdom in every situation. James says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, come on, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Now here I like what the King James said. I just love this word. And it says, he upbraideth not. He upbraideth not. In other words, he's not going to smack you around for asking for wisdom. He's not going to bring reproach upon you for asking for wisdom, for saying, I don't know. Some people have a problem saying, I don't know. Well, can you do this thing? Well, yeah, I think I can do it. It's, it's you know. Well, did you do it? Yeah, yes, no, all depends on what you. But God gives us wisdom for saying, I don't know, God. Help me in this situation. I thought you would never ask. And he gives it to us. Come on. And it will be given, it says. But let him ask what? In faith. Nothing wavering. Here's the key to it all. Believe that the promiser is able to do it. Believe that he is trustworthy. Believe that he is faithful. Believe that he is all powerful. Believe that he is able, the Bible says, because if you ask without faith, you are like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. We don't want to be that way going to God. It says ask in faith. Faith is what activates it. And let me tell you something. Your emotion doesn't activate it. I just wanted, I don't want to offend you this morning. I don't want to make you upset because, listen, I'm an emotional person. I mean, there's a lot of times I try to hide my emotions, but inside I'm emotional. I mean, there's times I feel like crying. Come on. I feel like laughing. I feel like giving up. I'm disappointed. I'm human, just like you are. There's a lot of things that go on inside. But guess what? It's not the emotions that move God. See, we're used to that because that's what moves us. We move each other by our emotions. That's how we deal with each other. And that's okay. We're emo- God made our emotions for a reason. I'm not talking down against emotions because God gave them to us. So there's obviously a reason for our emotions. But when you want to move the hand of God, it's not your emotions that move God. It's faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Come on. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. What did Jesus say? When, when, when he went to heal someone, Lord, please heal me. I've been blind since birth. And he goes over to him and he, he reaches down and he says, well, uh, are, you emo- are you about to cry? I mean, because if you're going to cry, then I'll open your eyes. I mean, I see there's all these demons in you, and, uh, well, does it feel bad? I mean, if you really feel bad, then I'll cast all of the demons out of you. That's not what he says. He says, do you believe? Come on, somebody. I know you're awful quiet this morning, but hopefully it's getting into your heart. Do you believe? If you believe, I respond to that. Come on. 
Now, again, please don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm talking down and you can't be emotional. I've got to be cow. That is not what I'm saying to you at all. But I'm just saying in the midst of all of that, all of your emotion, what has to come out of it is, yes, that's what we're preaching about. Yes, I believe. Yes, I will stand on your promises because I know you will give me wisdom. And he gives us the promise of sufficient grace. Grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 9 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh, Paul said, was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to depart from me. And he said these words to me, Paul says. God said that. He actually said this to me. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was not saying, I'm glad that I'm sick. I'm glad that there's an infirmity. I'm glad that the enemy is torturing me. But he said, in the midst of all of that, God's grace is with me, and I'm able to overcome it. You see, when Jesus was walking on the water, he didn't say, I'm just so glad that all of this wind and all of these waves and all this rain is all over me. But what he did say was, despite all of that, I'm able to walk right through it. That's what he's trying to show us. And that's what he tried to show Peter when he stepped down out of the boat and began to walk on the water. Despite the circumstances, despite the wind and the waves, they will be there despite the enemy. Until it comes time for that enemy to be put away, the enemy is there. And the enemy's going to throw all kinds of things at you. But guess what? All they can do is tis, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all he can do. And he's going to throw all of those at you throughout your walk. But you must say yes to the promises of God. Yes, God, to your favor. Yes, to your breakthrough. And I say yes to your promises. And I will stand on them. Why? Because I know that your grace is sufficient for me. Your grace is sufficient. God is saying, do not be weary in your well-doing. Because my promises are true. We need to respond like Mary who said, let it be unto me according to your word. According to your word. We need to be like David who responded to God when he said, you are the one that I am calling. We need to be like Moses who said, Lord, despite the fact, he made every excuse in the book, but in the end, he said, yes, Lord, I will be the one. We need to be like Gideon, who wanted to doubt God, but in the end, God proved all of those things to be false, and he had to say, yes, Lord, I will do it. We need to be like Jonah in the end, who after he went through all that he went through, I'm talking to some people who have gone through some things this morning. That finally we stand up and say, yes, Lord. Yes, I believe. Yes to your promises. Yes to your favor. Yes to your breakthrough. Lord, I 
believe. Holy Spirit, I believe that you are able. Now, there are some of us this morning who the enemy has thrown some things at us. He's thrown some financial difficulty at us. Come on. He's thrown some relationship issues at us. I mean, there are some things in my life where the enemy has, has thrown in there. He's trying to get me distracted. Come on. Some habits, uh, even habits that you felt like you've conquered that the enemy tries to bring back. You remember when. Come on. The enemy will do that now. Come on, relationships, all sorts of things. He throws things on our body and tries to to, to let us know that you're just a human and you'll fall short. Come on, you're sickly, you're this, you're that. He'll tell you all kind of things. But today is the day and this morning is the morning that we stand up and we stand on the promises of God and we respond to God by saying, yes, Lord, yes to your promises.